<laughs> the valiant child who will die in battle so very soon. Doctor, can you hear me? Doctor, are you there? Daddy, turn right. It's the youth. They've gone mad. That thing is playing on very basic fears. The paper snapped. He's gone. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and joining me on this podcast, as always, are my two partners in Doctor Who crime. And I will start with... Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. What about you? Uh, same old, same old working who? <laughs> yeah, I'm agreeing with you. It's like, you know, it feels like I was sitting here almost, well, I guess 24 hours ago, uh, re- recording our review of some of the things we saw San Diego Comic-Con for Star Trek Discovery. Yes, yes, and we also got a lot of good Doctor Who goodness, so I'm sure we're going to dive into that. We are indeed, and I want to throw this out real quick, because I did not realize the person playing Captain Pike was also Black Bolt. I was like, why does this dude look familiar? (laughs) I thought I told you that, man. You did, but but, but I'm old, so my brain just didn't work, okay? Just blame it on... But it explains why you hadn't heard his voice, though. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, Good point. Good uh, point. It's a mount. Yes. Yeah. So that voice that we did just hear belongs to Lee Shackelford. Mr. Shackelford, how are you? I'm well. And be glad I'm not Black Bolt since you just heard my voice. I know. I mean, <laughs> I'm like my eardrums would be exploding. How's that for nerdy it, comic reference? Would it, would, it, would it reach us across the Internet? Would it? <laughs> yeah, it would have just destroyed my house. And yeah, it would have been. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, 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 that's right. It wouldn't have hurt you at all. Yeah. <laughs> So, I would it anyway? No, no, no. But, and I know it's off topic, but uh, one of my new Facebook friends is Chris Hunter, um, son of Jeffrey Hunter, ah. and uh, he was invited to Comic Con as well. So he was part of all that um, stuff about Discovery, and uh, he has personally given Anson Mount his blessing to play yes. Captain. Pike. Yes, and you know, and that matters a lot to me that uh, Jeff Hunter's son says, you know, because uh, I, I love Captain Pike. As, as listeners to discussing track know. <laughs> so, well, well, you know what's, but, what's, but that's not what we're here to talk about. No, I, but I wonder who we're here to talk about. Who? Who, who, who could it be? But, but I want to say something before we get into some news that I have. You know, of course, we've got our review that we're doing, but I want to congratulate both of you guys on a successful season three of the Relativity Podcast. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Very welcome. And I will say this. I, I have known Clarence for many years, and that uh, episode between 29 and 30 taught me a lesson. I never want to hear Clarence get mad. <laughs> <laughs> So anybody listening that wants to hear Mad Clarence, go listen mm-hmm. to Relativity 
episode number 29 and 30. I mean, listen to all episodes, of course, but yes. particularly episode 29 and 30, and you will hear Marcus get mad. And Marcus, yeah. of course, is portrayed by Clarence. And, and, and if I may, I want to say that I have the easy job in that whole uh, show production. Uh, I just go in there and say a few lines and Lee Shackford has to put together this masterpiece sound effects, bringing all these voices together as well as writing the script. So just kudos to Mr. Lee Shackford on a wonderful season three. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That, those last two, they were, I'm not going to lie to you. That was tough. <laughs> they, they, yeah. They were, they were just so – the soundscapes were – some of them were so complicated. Oh, so uh, – yeah. but uh, yeah. But you know, while, while we're patting each other on the back, I, I got to say, we – the the my, my little sci-fi serial uh, has gained a whole bunch of new uh, followers and fans and we're getting more feedback and more people are joining the Facebook group and that kind of stuff. So something awesome. good is happening and I think a lot of them – well, I know for a fact that, that uh, at least some of them – are coming from our constantly talking about the show here. So I just, uh, yeah, so I, I just, yeah. Uh, if I haven't said thank you guys for mentioning it in every single episode of Discussing Who, I imagine some people have got to just be sick of it. Say, will you please get back to talking about <laughs> Doctor Who? But, um, but yeah, but it has certainly done uh, relatively well. So anyway. Well, you know, as I say, who knows? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, I do know one thing of Who that we do know is when we were recording last week when all of us were kind of either coming back from a trip or on a trip, we were tripping out over the teaser that we had. And lo and behold, only two days later, we got an actual trailer. Yeah. Which is still very teasery. Very, very teasery. But but, 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 but more, more meat, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I have to admit something. I was in a training class um, that Thursday afternoon, and I have an alert that pops up on my phone that uh, tells me, you know, something Doctor Who on YouTube from BBC or BBC America is posted. You know, it pops up on my phone. So uh, this is a very leading question here. So do you think I got up out of my class and excused myself so that I could go watch the trailer? Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any question there at all. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So, um, so Clarence. Which is what any of us would have done. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so Clarence, what did you think? Broad picture, any, any immediate takeaways of seeing the trailer? Hmm. First off, I really enjoyed the visuals. I thought the different, uh, scenes that we saw in the trailer, however brief, uh, really got me excited to what we might see uh, in the actual season, as well as maybe some of the information we got from the panel uh, kind of informs me that we're not going to be on Earth a lot. So that that makes me happy. Mm, interesting. OK, Lee, what mm. about you? That's a good point. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm tr- trying to just uh, continue to be a blank slate and just sort of let the show ride on me because um, <laughs> I didn't. Um, there, there was really nothing in particular in the trailer that I really got invested in. Just said, oh, golly, except her. And um, just because I think she, the word that I, I just saw on the Internet today talking about Jodie Whittaker is incandescent. And I thought, man, that's it. She does. She seems like she is lit up from the inside. And I just I just love that. Um, I admired her, her, her work on uh, Broadchurch so very much. And this is completely different. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just blown away by her. And 
this was also San Diego Comic Con this last weekend, um, as we record this, and the things I'm hearing about her appearances there, her interactions with fans, just the way she talks yeah. to everybody. What what a what a person. What a I started to say what a lady, and I checked myself. But but she, <laughs> well, she is a lady. You, you know what I mean. She's just if she were a dude, I would say what a gentleman. She, she's just um, a very 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 kind and respectful. And, and very aware that something wonderful is happening and that she's at the center of, but, but she realizes it's not for her, it's for us. And so she, she keeps turning that praise around to the fandom. And I just think that's incredibly gracious. I just, I, I just, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in love with Jodie Whittaker. I, I'll admit it. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So, so here's, here's my take. And then, Lee, you could not have walked perfect any more perfectly into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. But my take people will think we planned this. I'm telling you, but this this little trailer that I've seen, I don't know why I think this. And it may be some of what you just said. It may be some of the other things that I've seen. Of course, I've seen her in Broad Church, but I keep seeing all the best energy from the tenth and the eleventh mm-hmm. Doctor. Mash those two together, add in a little bit of fun Tom Baker and a little pinch of uh, Patrick Troughton, and there becomes 13. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why I have that I recipe, know. but those four just seem to a little bit of mix of those in their best, most comical way gives us 13. The word we heard from the uh, SDCC panel was playful. And uh, and I think that may be the line that you draw through all of them. Hmm. So interesting. You know. yeah. Well, our friends at blogterwho.com, uh they did an article on the SDCC uh, Doctor Who appearance, and there was a quote that they had from uh, Jody Whitaker herself, and I uh, copied it and wanted to read it really quick, which says, "I have never approached a role." Thinking, how would a woman play this role? Because I am just, because I am just one. And I don't think a guy has ever gone, how would a guy play this scene? You just are. <laughs> it's your point of view. Essentially, my energy and my approach to this is coming from a very instinctive place, which feels genderless to me because it's never been specifically ingrained in me that there's a specific way that a woman behaves and that there is a specific way that a man behaves. But the best part about the doctor is I'm not playing either. I'm an alien. So there are really no (laughs) rules. I've got two hearts so I can do whatever I want. (laughs) I thought that last one was brilliant. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now that we're talking about the, uh, the San Diego comic-con panel that had to, her and Chris Chibnall, and I'm still learning these actors' names. Um, Tonson Cole, Tonson um, Cole, and Amanda Gill. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and Chris Chibnall, and the um, the exec producer, whose name I'm suddenly blanking on, even though he did uh, the Sarah Jane Adventures. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was it was a great panel, and and they took questions from from fans in the audience. And w- one of my very favorites was a, a little girl who who asked Jody, "What do you plan to bring to the role as a girl?" And she said, "You know," she reiterated basically what you said she said i i'm the doctor mm-hmm. and that's that's just all there is to it um i think she said it more eloquently than that but uh, but that was her gist you know it's um it, it's it's not a role about gender it's just it's just the doctor hmm 
Interesting. That makes me really happy. Really happy. So what do you guys think of, you know, we've talked briefly about these glimpses of the companions. What feelings do you have or do you have any more insight on this little tidbit that we got? Any more thoughts on the new friends that she's recruiting? So so we've heard uh, in the panel that each is going to kind of have a different thing that they bring to the table. Uh, I think that can be a very interesting concept. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to know what those things are, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was, it, it was iterated several times that each one of these companions are bringing, or should I say her friends along for the journey <laughs> are bringing something different to the table. Uh, I guess that aids in this group, this new form friendship. So I'm just ready to dive into that and see, you know, what each of these characters bring along and it, 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 um, just see how that unfolds and plays out in the show. So you said something interesting right there. You, you changed and reiterated <laughs> on the word friends. Any friends. particular reason? Uh, well, from the teaser as well as kind of the, the trailer, I think that's the sense that we get. And I, and I may be recalling the, the, the actual panel when I say that. Because uh, it seems like I heard that reiterated several times that yeah. these are her friends that she's bringing along for this journey. Yes, and that was the article that I was reading specifically said that it seems like there is an effort to say no longer the doctor's assistant, assistant became companion, and now it seems to be evolving again to they're not companions, they are friends. Mm. Right. Yeah, I noticed that too. Just watching the uh, the the, the Comic Con panel, they were very careful about saying friends every time. So, yeah. Do we think? What do we think the purpose of that is? Um, it's just a slightly different slant on companion, but it is different. So, what what do we think their direction is in saying that? Hmm. Do Do you wonder if it, if it's trying to? Um, bring down the temperature a little bit on all this, um, the, the love stories in the TARDIS, or the kind of um, tension between the Doctor and um, his companions in the past, uh, certainly since two, 2005, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly since 2006, true. let's say. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Um, because, I mean, you guys are my friends, but my wife is my companion. Hmm, interesting. You Good one. Interesting, very, because my next question was about to be, but you just answered it was, how would we define the difference between, you know, friend, companion? And mm-hmm. Lee, you just summed it up perfectly. That's completely instinctive, but I, I think I'm right about this. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and it also makes me feel a little bit like we are in this together. We're on this ride together as, as more so equals than, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think you're right because, I mean, the last words, but well, well there's a narration to the trailer and, um, and she says either to us or to the other people in the show, it's not clear who she's talking to. Uh, will you be my new best friends? Yeah. Right. Um, hmm. so, so the word friends is very prominent there. And, and I think you're right. It, it, it sounds like that may be in the context of an episode, but I also feel like she's talking to me. Yeah. Hmm. Very good point. It, you know, I wonder if it's an effort to maybe humanize the doctor just a little bit more as we mm-hmm. move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And who's to say the idea of, you know, one of the, well, one of the concerns that I had 
of having, you know, a female doctor was if they just had one companion, I did not want that to be a male companion so that, Mm -hmm. you know, just switched the genders of companion Mm -hmm. and, you know, the doctor. And then that was one another reason I was glad that you were having more, you know, more than one. But maybe it's just another, like you guys were saying, just another effort to further take us away from the fact of, you know, don't let it glare in your face that this character is now a woman. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to add to that, that the more we see of Miss Whitaker uh, in the role of the doctor, the more we see of her, I think a lot of those apprehensions that people have had um, are just gone. I mean, her, the warm reception she got at Hall H at, at Comic-Con and, and just these vignettes that we've seen in the trailer and the teaser – um, I just think all of that is just pretty much gone away. Now we, we will see it again when the show actually airs and we see some of the conflicts she may have because of that. But I think in a large part, you know, I kind of feel like most people are over it. Hmm. You know, I was sitting here thinking we did not have a conversation like this. I don't think when Missy was revealed as who Missy was, spoilers, uh, for anybody who may not know, so I'm not going to say who Missy, the mistress, really is, hint, hint. But uh, when that happened, I don't think there was this conversation that kept ongoing and ongoing about, well, what's Missy going to be like because Missy is now Missy, you know? Hmm. Not really, no. Hmm. So here's one thing that is also new. Um Something is, you know, might maybe looks like a giant metal cylinder, but it's not. It's been regenerated again. <laughs> uh, a new sonic screwdriver, guys. What do you think? And already coming to the, uh, the toy stores near you. Yeah, but which ones? Um, right. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't look like any of the other screwdrivers and, and they've allayed my fears that it was going to be pink, which, so I'm glad yeah. about that. And um, because of the Sarah Jane Avengers, I was afraid it was going to be a lipstick or something. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, instead of looking like a device, it looks like something um, uh, definitely organic. It looks like something yeah. uh, that has that has grown somewhere. And I wondered what's the backstory about that. Um, what we've seen in recent years is that the screwdriver is an extension of the TARDIS, or at least the TARDIS um, creates it for him. Mm. Um, and since we don't know what's happened to the TARDIS, as you've noticed, we have not seen in the traders at all. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, um, but, but one of the things that, um, I was a little surprised that it, at the Comic-Con panel, they kept talking about how they, how much they can't talk about. But as the conversation went on, things started kind of slipping out and, um, <laughs> I love this, this moment where Jody gets up and she runs over to Chris Chibnall and whispers at his ear. And she's clearly saying, can I say that? And then she goes back to her chair and she says <laughs> some things. Wow, that's fine. Um, but she, uh, one of the things that she talks about is that the, that the screwdriver is acquired in the first episode. And she said, in the, and you'll see there's quite a story about where this screwdriver comes from. That is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So that makes me wonder, are we going to have a couple of episodes at least without a TARDIS? Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, do we think the TARDIS is even okay um, mm-hmm. after that, you know, 
um, climactic end. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look good. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll teach the doctor to to next time regenerate outside. Don't regenerate in the TARDIS. <laughs> and not in flight. And not in flight. No, not in flight. So uh, another thing that has been confirmed is Merry Christmas. We will have another Christmas episode. Yay. Yay. So in addition to our 10, we now have 11 this year. So it's actually, you know, 10 episodes plus Christmas. Yay. So guys, any other news before we get into our review of the Satan pit? Hmm. I don't think so. Wow, with with yeah, with with Comic Con and the trailer and um yeah. Um I, I, I it seems like that's pretty much it, huh? That's gotta be, yeah. There's, it's it's actually been kind of a <laughs> on our recent scale, it's been a busy week for Yes, Dr. indeed. Indeed, so, indeed, indeed. Anyway. All right. So for anyone listening, we are about to get into our review of the Satan Pit, which is the episode which is part two of a two part story. And it is paired with the Impossible Planet. So if you have not seen the Satan Pit, put us on pause. Go watch the episode. Because from henceforth, spoilers. 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 All right, gentlemen, the... Spoiler warning has gone out, and we are ready to review the Satan Pit. This episode was first broadcast on the 10th of June, 2006, and it begins, of course, where the last episode ended. So, guys, ballpark figure, just a, you know, summary. What did you think of the episode? And, Mr. Shackford, I'll let you take that one first. Um... Well, I, I think you guys watched both episodes before <laughs> the recorder last week and, and, and weren't sure what happened in which episode. So Agreed. I, and <laughs> At I least for me. Across two weeks. I, I, I just, I just watched Satan Pit like Tuesday afternoon and then we, we recorded Tuesday night. So, uh, I mean, we're, no, what am I saying? I watched it last night and we're recording tonight. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, I totally forgotten about, um, Mr. Jefferson's sacrifice, except that Clarence mentioned it last oh, week. So thanks, sorry. mate. Sorry, um, <laughs> but it's it's a great moment. But uh, but seriously, I, I and then I listened again to our recording because you you'd already put the, the the podcast out, and I, I I regretted my score that I gave for Impossible Planet because the more I think about it, the better I like it. And Satan Pit, I just think is amazing, and it really struck me. It, you put these two together, and you've got a terrific Doctor yes. Who feature film. Beautiful. It's it really is, and I and just as we were saying last week, why in the world is this an episode that I saw once years ago and didn't come back to? Hmm. Um, and I guess it's just because it's easy for me to sort of catalog it in my mind as another base under siege story, but it, there's so much more going on in this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's it's just it's just terrific, and I just had the best time watching part two today. Yesterday, whatever that was. Anyway, what about you guys? All right, Clarence, what do you think? Uh, as uh, Mr. Shackle just, just said, uh, it occurred to me as I rewatched this episode <laughs> that, oh, I spoiled things in our last <laughs> review in this episode. <laughs> so first and foremost, apologies for the spoilers to everyone. That's including, why we sound the warning. Including cast members. So uh, <laughs> th- 
did I enjoy this this episode? Yes, I loved it. It had everything I liked from the first one, uh, from the space aspect to this, uh, Lee said, at the space under siege. I thought it was really fun. And we got to see Rose take a little bit of charge in this episode as well, which I thought was really cool. As well as, um, you know, the doctor's decision to dive a little bit deeper uh, into the pit, I thought was was pretty interesting as well. So um, I enjoyed it all around, and I'm sure we're going to get into it. What about you, Kyle? Okay, so to make you feel just a little better, you're not the only one who spoiled something, because I can recall vividly talking about, was this the episode where the doctor went down into the dark pit? So, um, cause I couldn't remember last week which one was which. So I did that too. Um, but yeah, this, this was an enjoyable episode. It, it is a story and maybe it's literally because it begins and ends or ends and begins and it's just, you know, carries from one to the other that it was hard for me last week to, you know, see which part was which or which part of the story because it does feel coherently just like one big story. Yes, yes, indeed. So I want to ask you guys specifically, to, let's talk about the beast, as they called him for a moment, and the look of the beast. What did you guys think of, and, 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 and this is a two-part question, the look of the beast as far as how the special effects looked, and the beast as far as how he was represented in the way that he looked. So either one of you, whichever one, take it. <laughs> Neither of us want to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I thought the episode, the look of the beast, I thought it was uh, pretty fantastic. And um, one thing I thought about in particular as I watched it, I was thinking in the back of my head that, man, I know this show wasn't or this episode wasn't shot in HD, but the fact that I'm looking at it kind of upsampled through Amazon, I thought it looked really, really well. And, you know, if I had to think of what Satan looked like, that this would probably be <laughs> one of the things I would imagine. So I I thought the special effects on that were really, really good, as well as just to speak of more of the special effects of the, the show in general, the the black hole and the ship leaving the planet. I thought all of it was really well done. All right, so I will go ahead and, and and weigh in real quick. I agree about the special effects. And I was able to pinpoint what I was talking about last week of saying that something made me uncomfortable. And I think, Clarence, you just said what that point was. If I were to imagine what I could see from my childhood or from going to church or, you know, how the devil was presented or satan was presented and this name is called the satan pit you know mm -hmm. so the the horns the red demon demonic looking thing it was just that fire. And I, yeah and the fire and all of that and i think that was what kind of was like okay don't get sacrilegious here and uh, yeah. you know, don't go over the line here. And, and maybe I was being too conservative, not conservative, whatever. But that was what was the root whenever I watched this again for us to review was that's what made me uncomfortable. So, but the special effects part of it, amazing for 2006. 
Yeah, I was watching it. I was watching it um, through Amazon Prime, like uh, uh, Clarence, and I I was having the same experience. I was kind of squinting at the screen sometimes, thinking, "Man, this looks good." Uh, love the the rocket lift off. That's that's a. Uh, I had forgotten what a terrific um, just shot and scene that is. Love the sound design behind it and everything. Um, great stuff. But um, but you know you, you're right, Colin. I, I guess last week I was trying to figure out what your reluctance was to talk about this as being. The, this Satan being actually Satan, because that's what the episode's about. It's, you know, right. It, yeah. it, it's okay to talk about that here. Um, and, and yeah, I, I remember very distinctly having a, uh, a screaming nightmare when I was a second grader about Satan. And, um, that's him. All right. That's what he looked like. Um, you know, and, and it would be an interesting challenge to give to a design team. Say, we're going to create a, a CG monster here. And uh, what do you think? It's and it's Satan, okay? It's really Satan. Yeah. And uh, so go. And one of the interesting choices to me is to make him the size of Gojira. I mean, because he didn't have to be. Mm-mm. He could have been. He could have been, you know, an actor in a suit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. But they made this choice to make him a hundred feet tall, um, which is just staggering. I I think. Uh, when I saw it the first time, I just somehow I knew we were going to see the devil. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen, but <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be the size of a skyscraper. Yes. And uh, I remember that that uh, I thought was genuinely frightening. Um, but I, so I love that. I love that design choice. So, yeah, great and, stuff. Yeah, and even when you think about like where um, where Satan in this episode actually is, you know. I remember growing up in the church and, you know, as we dove in in Bible class to study more of Revelation and, you know, just the concept of the bottomless pit was just mm-hmm. something that freaked me out immensely. And lo and behold, here we're, we're diving into it in this episode. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that that even just that concept alone is something that will trigger in a lot of people to be like, you know, uh, sort of like Cal was saying, have you have your um your, your, your alarm going off <laughs> a bit, but, but yeah, so many, so many concepts that are similar to, uh, or direct comparisons to so many different religions out there. So I, I just like how, I think it was done rather ta- tastefully is not, maybe not the word I'm looking for, but I, I think it was done really well. respectfully. Yeah. That, there you go. Yeah. Both, both, but actually both of those words are appropriate yeah. in my opinion. You know, I think, you know, now that, you're looking at it and we're talking about it. If you look at it from the perspective of this is something that is the hide behind the couch episode. If I were an eight year old child, male, female, whatever, Uh watching this in 2006, I'm pretty sure I would be watching between my fingers or (laughs) uh, hiding behind the couch because that would be pretty darn scary. Yeah. Yep. You know, because <laughs> Clarence, you mentioned, you know, being um, lowered into the bottomless pit as a child. What is one thing that we are terrified of? We are afraid of the dark. Yeah. You know, so kudos to them for yeah. taking our inner fears and things that have been ingrained in us to fear to That's right. a new level. You know, yeah. I've, I've got a 
a friend who I, I'm trying to encourage to write a book about this, and may, maybe he'll hear this podcast. Hear me shout out to Scott Woodard here. Oh, who was uh, who was on uh, Relativity as uh, Deputy Director Fitzlanger? Ah, um, cool. yeah, that's Scott. Um, but but Scott is is a great writer and artist, and just has a lot of big ideas, and a big horror fan. And he has the idea that horror is not just something that a lot of people enjoy, but it is it is basic that. It's an aspect of all of our storytelling and has been since the dawn of time that there's something about stories that scare the you know what out of us <laughs> that we that we have to keep telling that it's that it's something <laughs> it's not in freaks and weirdos. It's something that's in everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to argue with him at first, but the more I think about it, he's right. I really think he's right. Um and, and he said, well, you know, we, we talk about Doctor Who like it's a kid's show, but it's a it's a horror. It's a horror movie every week. And I said, well, it's it's not. I mean, there's a there's monsters and there's a oh, my God, you're right. It is the, the part of what makes this show work is that there's supposed to be something in it that scares you every time. It's one of the reasons why we keep coming back to it. OK, you know what? Yeah. Go ahead, Clarence, while I'm thinking you know, of this. I, I, yeah, I was just going to add that. And, and even with this concept of Satan or this being we're calling Satan being in this pit seems like more times than not, when we have a high concept like this in Dr. Who, they go to great lengths to try to maybe explain why it happened or, or, or what the, is the reason mm-hmm. this thing is here. But in this episode, they don't really dive deep into it. You know, the doctor says some casual words, you know, uh, about it, but you know, we don't, we don't go to great lengths to try to explain it. So that's another element that makes it scary as well. <laughs> you can't explain it with science. <laughs> well, th- there was sort of an origin story, though. I mean, and, and, and that's one of the things I like about it, actually, is that uh, there was the story about the, it was important to the doctor that, that, that the beast itself says that uh, he, he comes from the universe before ours. Yes, yes. And the doctor says, no, that's there's no such thing as that. That's not true. Yeah. Um. But then, you know, then when he gets to the bottom of the pit, uh, there's the hieroglyphs on the wall, the kind of Velasco kind of cave painting that tell the exact story that he's told about uh, the uh, the armies that put him in the pit. Yeah. And uh, there it is. So yeah. I yeah, I don't know. But I uh, do. yeah, but, 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 but it's, but, it's still that doesn't change how scary it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, you, you you just mentioned like one of the best parts of the episode to me is when when um the doctor makes the well, I guess the the beast makes a statement before time, and mm-hmm. and how that would puzzle a time lord. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that that would that would make mm-hmm. him you know kind of frazzled a little bit before time, you know, and even for us. When we think of the concept, especially in religion, of, you know, this all being power, um, that, that is, is, uh, there from the beginning at the end, it's all the same to him. It's, there's no concept of time in, in, in many of, in the creator's world and many religions, uh, especially specifically for me speaking of Christianity. So, you know, just that concept is hard to grasp. And this is in a show where, we're already challenged all the time to think <laughs> yeah. of, of, of how time travel is possible. And then we reach one level higher to this concept of no time before time. So I just love that about the episode as well. Big ideas. Yeah. Okay. Big so ideas. 
two two takeaways from me when you're talking about you know those questions that kind of make your head hurt. I was sitting here thinking of I was about five or six years old, and I remember to this day vividly the look on this preacher's face or this pastor's face whenever I asked this question, which was, if God created everything, mm-hmm. who created God? And so brain. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I remember that. Uh, and, and what made me think about it was when you guys were talking about, you know, the time Lord and, you know, they are the lords of time and they, you know, kind of control time or, or travel time and know all about time. And I, it just reminded me of that look. And I, I don't remember what his answer was, but I just remember that look of, well, for lack of a better word, oh, crap. I can't believe he just asked this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you had a troublemaker. Yeah. Did not compute. Yeah, did not compute. But the other takeaway that I took from this when he said he was from the universe before, and Lee, I think you will appreciate this this comment. It reminded me for a moment of especially with the big the horns looking like the big thing on this character's head. It reminded me of Galactus from Marvel Comics for a minute. Mm-hmm. Because that character was from the universe before. Yep. yep. I was thinking about Galactus uh, uh, as well um, for the same reason. That's, uh, yeah, the idea that the first thing that happened in our universe, according to Marvel Comics, is Galactus and everything else follows. Yeah. Yeah. And he's hungry. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Oh, couldn't resist that. I don't know. So, um I want to switch away from religion and talk about Rose for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. So we know our – I read – I'm not saying we know, but I read that in this episode, this was the last filmed scene that included Billy Piper in it for the, the 2006 series. It was I was the, thinking mm, about that too. Yeah. So – from a character's perspective, so not thinking, you know, did Billy Piper know? We've already talked about that last week. But from a character's perspective of Rose, when she is sitting there, standing there, and the beast tells her, you're in about, you're about to be in a battle and you're going to die. From the Rose perspective, what do you guys think might, might have been going through her head? And Clarence, mm-hmm. I'll let you take that one first. Oh, man. I'm going to have to think on that one a minute. What was going through her head? Uh, I don't know. I think if you don't look forward, uh, I, I won't look forward. I'll look back, you know, a little bit. I mean, she's got these premonitions before, um, even if we go back to the very first season. So this is something she's kind of experienced. I'm thinking of the Gwen Cooper moment. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, right. So I, I would think her as a character would think there's something to this, especially after the whole bad wolf thing and all of that. She probably thinks there's something to this and she does question the doctor on it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she, it has a kind of, um, uh, shade or kind of, uh, influence what she go, does going forward in this episode, especially and maybe even in the next episode. Cole, Lee, what about you? Yeah, same thing. It struck me that she has had enough experience of people who can see the future and whether or not she remembers any of, uh, you know, the, the bad wolf being able to see all of space and time. I uh, guess I hope she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that she has to take that seriously when a supernatural being you know, tells her what her future is. 
Um, it's spoilerific for the end of the series, but I, I always remember feeling not cheated, but just feeling like it's a cop out because, uh, spoilers, she does not die. She is, <laughs> she is listed among the dead. And, uh, so we're asked looking backwards to believe that Satan was fooled by that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, you know, it's just Russell. Anyway, so so that that was what I was thinking about. But but I also it did take me out of the the moment in the show when she comes running into the TARDIS and hugs the doctor in the in his orange spacesuit, because I I remembered um, this may have been a DVD extra or something, but interviewed Billy Piper and David Tennant talking about their last day of filming on the series. And that's what it was. It was not the end of Doomsday. So even though that's what we saw last, so they filmed that with their heart, Hmm. you know, that they're parted forever. And then they got to film that, that scene inside the TARDIS. So what you're seeing there, (laughs) I think, you know, I mean, for the actors, that's gotta be like, it's not true. We're back together. Hooray. (laughs) And and it really plays. It's so, it's such a strong, such a strong moment, (laughs) but yeah, but we're not to know that we're just watching, you know, Satan bit, but. You know, it, it does kind of color some of the things that actually, actually happened in the episode, though. It uh, really does. <laughs> so, oh, man. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, shooting stuff out of order. I mean, what, what a what a head trip it is. So, you know, it, for me, it was more about the character seemingly stepping up. And I think in this episode, this was one that we really saw her step up, take charge. Yeah. She was Really, for all intents and purposes, she was in control of the entire, you know, base that these people really didn't know her or have any reason to just do what she said do. And you notice this year how we've been seeing that more and more. We're seeing her stepping up and, and, and being the doctor. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we, you remember we saw it in, um, Impossible Planet. I mean, Impossible Planet. What am I trying to say? Um, the girl in the fireplace, you know, um, yeah. and, you know, she, she, if he's not around, she's taken over. Um, and in the, the Idiot's Lantern, you know, she's got Mr. Magpie there and she's by God wants the answers from him. And yeah. uh, she she's she's uh, she and Mickey both have this this uh, quick arc. You travel with the yeah. doctor and you you uh, you take charge of your life. Um, but, yeah, they, they'd all have died. In Satan Pit, if not for her, yep, they'd all be yep. dead. Hmm. Uh, and, and this was really the first episode where you, you mentioned her progression. This was the first one where I was not worried her, about her one bit. You know, I was yeah. not worried. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she she she's taking charge, pumping orders to Mister Jefferson and Danny, and mm-hmm. you know, you do this, you do this. Um, and I felt like she was in total control uh, up until the end when she got, you know, uh, they knocked her out to take her on a. On the jet, on the uh, spaceship, <laughs> but that's cheating. <laughs> yeah, that's cheating. Uh, and I remember in 2006 thinking, well, it's very handy that this ship has got an extra windshield after she just blew it out into <laughs> space, you know. But but because she can't possibly have known that, and I I you know I thought, well, you just killed everybody, didn't you? But I, watching it again this time, that didn't bother me because I thought in that moment she doesn't care. The point is to get Toby out into space. Yeah. Or what's left of Toby. Okay, see, I took that totally, totally, totally different. And I took it more so as a relationship or a bond 
between, you know, cause I keep going back to this date thing that everything is a date and, and it's, it's maybe this from having watched it before, this subconscious string that keeps threading itself along. But I saw it more so as a trust slash relationship between Rose and the doctor that is continuously metamorphosizing and growing and changing. I saw it more so as when she shot that glass out, that she had faith that the doctor and the TARDIS would be there. Just as when he knocked over the the two jars that holds the beast at bay, he knew, and by faith, that Rose would do something to stop it. Yeah, and and I think like you know if if you didn't already believe that maybe there was uh, a I guess inner love interest between these guys, uh, the doctor makes the statement as he's falling into the pit. Um, I think he says, "Tell her, mm-hmm. tell her." Uh, she knows, you know. I'm like mm-hmm. that. That's really direct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. How how can you not think there's nothing more there? Uh, but like you said, Cal, they do have this synergy for lack of better words between mm-hmm. the two but they just know the other is going to come through she does not want to leave that base she does not want to leave that base at all no no they literally had to anesthetize her to get it. <laughs> yeah i'm glad you brought up that moment too clarence because i that that's one of my favorite things in the episode and um that, that whole that whole scene of the doctor going down the cable into the blackness so we were talking about how much we all appreciated the the rich and beautiful special effects but you know, to me, one of the images that I always, I will never forget from this episode is just the doctor surrounded by darkness. Yeah. It, it, it's just such a simple, stark image. And we see his, his image from our point of view gets smaller and smaller until he finally disappears into the darkness. It's just, ooh, if that doesn't raise the hair on the back of your neck, you're not paying attention. Yeah. But, but yeah, he, he has this moment where he says, uh, tell Rose, ah, she knows. And we're thinking he's going to say, I love you. Yeah. But but then he didn't do it. So I hope if he has the opportunity again, I hope he'll take it. And maybe he will. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Maybe, you know, hey, we got something to look forward to because he might do it. I we want him to see, see him make the same mistake twice. No, it couldn't happen. Never. <laughs> Never. Um, so I have one other thing that I want to mention, but I want to save it to the end. My question then becomes to you guys, is there any points that we've not talked about from this episode that either of you would like to hit upon? Mm. Oh, I love the moment <laughs> where they're crawling through what I'm going to call Jeffrey's tubes, but they're <laughs> just tunnels or vents. Yep. And, um, Maintenance shafts. Ma- there you go. There you go. And, and uh, Rose, <laughs> Rose makes the statement uh, to Danny, I'm not your best angle, Danny. And then um, Danny says, stop it. But then uh, Mr. Jefferson says, that could be worse. And, of course, he's walking behind or crawling Rose. behind Rose. Behind Rose. This is like yeah. the most wonderful piece of <laughs> 30 seconds of Dr. Wim. <laughs> I, 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 I just so thought you were about to say something different right there. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I promise you I thought you were about to say something different. Especially, uh, th- you could not have worded that any any yeah. any better. Unfortunate. Yeah. You know, it's funny they did the exact same gag on the Sarah Jane Adventures with them really? two of them all crawling through a vent shaft. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, can you go faster? I don't. I don't want to spend the rest of my life looking at your butt. <laughs> but, uh, like, you know, I guess that. I guess that happens when you got a string of people crawling through. But yeah, it's it's a little little video game moment, and you know, uh, crawling through the vent shafts is a is a sci-fi trope. We've seen it, you know, fifty thousand times. Um, but I, I love the idea in this one that uh, it, it, they can only go so far uh, with until um, uh, until the captain can can aerate the next corridor. With the oud closing in behind them, that's that's genuinely thrilling. It's it's got a real nice uh, uh, video game quality to that uh, that whole sequence. Right. Awesome bit of tension. It really is. Mm-hmm. So, so Lee, what about you? Did you have any other tidbits before I uh, mention the last thing I wanted to mention? Nothing else is jumping to mind. Although um, I, I guess I just want to uh, mention again how much I appreciated all of these performances. It's a uh, one of the things that makes a, a base under siege story work well is if all the characters are different and interesting and the actors playing them are tip top. And I just, there's not, there's no weak links in this. This is an amazing group of uh, performers and very interesting characters. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, my, my wife is uh, uh, watching right now a, a British series called Scott and Bailey. And um, I, I finished watching this episode with, in which I saw Danny Webb as Mr. Jefferson sacrifice himself nobly. Yes. And I walked into the living room where she was watching Scott and Bailey, which stars, among other people, Danny Webb. Ah. <laughs> he was on the screen in the living room, too. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> anyway, but he's great. He's great on that. And he, he was certainly great as Mr. Jefferson here. Danny Webb. So that's cool. all from me. All right. Well, the... Interesting thing or the thing I wanted to end on before we give our rating was I made a reference, I think, pretty much toward the beginning of last episode when we were talking about the Ood. And I referenced how they were where they were slaves, not considered. They were slaves and in many ways were considered by these people as characters to be worthless. And, you know, they couldn't think for themselves. I found it very fitting that by the end of this and the experiences that these two episodes had on those characters that the episode concludes with with reading of the names of those who died and they included the ood Mm -hmm. very beautifully done and he's yeah it's implied that he's going to list every one of them as if they were individuals which is beautiful yes so i thought that was you know a great way to end it good message you know from the change and growth of all these characters so so that was my tidbit so i think it's time to do our rating so i'm going to give the first one to me i don't i uh, always give me first (laughs) i'll do me first so i'm gonna give it you know what it i'm gonna say for the same reason that i said last week i think it made me uncomfortable but in a good way I'm going to give it a five. Very enjoyable. I don't know why we don't watch this one more and definitely will be one that I will watch again soon. So five for me. So Clarence, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go up from last week. I think I went four, six or four, five last week. I think I'm going to go to 4.8, 4.9. You know, it really didn't come into focus to what Lee said earlier about these two episodes being together. Uh, They work really really well well together and then one complete story and you know you kind of have to get both sides to to kind of uh fill it out and yeah i loved it 4.9 
Cobain. All right, Mr. Shackelford. And I now, I now feel bad about having given the Impossible Planet a 4.2 last time, so I'm going to rectify the overall average by giving this one a 5.8. Ah, yeah. cool. <laughs> cool. Cool, 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 I'm down with rectifying, changing numbers, wibbly-wobbly all, yeah. timey-wimey if you want to. No cloister bells for me. That's what all I say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think I, I will say this about the first part of it. I think that's the bad part. If there, if that is a good way to say it of a two part story, when you review them, it's hard to review the first part because it's just setting up something that doesn't happen. And I think that j- is just the bad part of a two part story. So, you know, there you go. So before we wrap, I think I'll go around the room and give you guys a chance to say anything else you might be working on. So, Lee, I'll let you take it first. Anything else that you might be working on? No, now that uh, we've uh, aired the last episode of this season of Relativity, I I am walking around like a zombie. I have no purpose <laughs> or in my life. Nothing has any meaning. Mm. So I, don't, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Except for the classes I'm teaching and the book I'm writing, and you know, I guess I got yeah. to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I I I know something that you might could do. Uh, mm. You know, and I'll put it on the air so that there is, you know, a commitment from all of us. We three have to do more discussing comics, all three together. We we need to bend space and time to yeah. do more discussing comics together. Well, as you know, I have a lot to say about the original Captain Marvel and uh, <laughs> uh, A.K.A. Shazam, and um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we need so, to figure out a good way um, to do that and do that soon. Just as long as I can somehow uh, bash in some fa- shape, form, or fashion the current Marvel Captain Marvel Carol Danvers, and I'll be happy. Right. Yes. Yeah, very good. All right, so Mr. Brown, what other things might you be working on? In addition to giving both Captain Marvels a lot of praise, because I think both <laughs> are awesome, uh, I'll just direct people over to DiscussingTrek.com, where we reviewed the latest comic from IDW Publishing, uh, Star Trek Discovery Succession number three. But, you know, if you listen to the episode, it's not even really about the comics. Really, we just talk about San Diego Comic Con for most of the episode. So check it out. <laughs> but it was fun. I'm telling yes. you, it was it was a fun recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the only thing I would suggest is anybody who wants to follow us on Patreon, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash discussing network. And, and if you so feel inclined to support us on Patreon, please do. And for anyone listening, we thank you for sticking around with us for the entire episode. We're glad that you're here. We invite you to come back and also to subscribe to the podcast so that you get all the latest episodes. So on behalf of all three of us, we appreciate it. And we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. 
Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?